Hello and welcome to another edition of Keeping All Eyes, the QPR podcast, which is back with some familiar faces and a new manager who's had his first game. So, which we'll come on to. Welcome back, George Sharp. The, for the younger audience, he's young. Hello, George. Hi, hi, Paul. Cheers for having me on again, mate. You're more than welcome. He hasn't been damaged by a thousand odd games like some people in Tottenham. You. Your dad has, though, hasn't he? Your dad's probably given up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Been loads. I, I wouldn't even be able to tell how many. Oh, Lord above. Well, welcome back, Simon. It's good to see yes. you. With a lovely time on Saturday, apart from the pissing rain and me having to go to the linesman. Um, how are you, Simon? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Just about dried out. So it was, yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those monsoons where I thought, when we were one nil up, I was praying that they weren't going to abandon it. It was one. It it was like that, and then. When they were getting on top, when it went one-one, I was almost hoping it would be abandoned, and then we got on top again. So, but we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later on. We will indeed, and I'm, I'm like yourself. I probably dried out on Tuesday, and we have Phil O'Sullivan back, who names himself Phil the Optimist. Is that right, Phil? Is that well, you? one of the early pods, you called me Phil the Optimist, and mm. uh, I've been I've been struggling to be optimistic since then, but I feel as if I could be full on Phil the Optimist again this evening. I haven't looked forward to going to Loftus Road as much as I am on Saturday in a very long time. Oh, brilliant. That always ends well. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? Well, exactly. But uh, it's sad, really, because, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to talk about the game on Saturday, but I'm not going to, I think it's fair to say that the Ainsworth period is gone, and I'm not going to compare this team to his teams. He's gone, and I I just don't like kicking him out when he's down. But that's just me. You guys fill your boots and say what you want. But I just thought Saturday was nice. It was compact. It was a bit better in them conditions. I understand why he took Smith off because how they managed, he managed to run down that wing in that pitch. God only knows. Sam, what, what did you think of um, the performance in them conditions? It was better. Um, I think it was quite nice to see some sort of plan going forwards. You could see that they had been, you could see the seeds of work that they were doing on the training ground, which. Let's be honest, at the end of the Ainsworth era, we were all going, well, what's the plan here? I think you could see what the plan was going to be. There was a few nice switches from right to left, nice little bits of interplaying on the wings, trying to play the ball back into the middle to try and get you finishing, which was very similar to what you saw if anyone watched the Inside Ours training video. I mean, look, there's still there's still a lot of work to do. Defensively, on occasions we look pretty, we look pretty ropey, particularly with um, set pieces. Apart from the goal, which was a good finish, there was that one where they had a free header, which ended up um, hitting hitting the post. But what was encouraging to see was we actually created chances, and mm. in the previous six to seven games, I don't think we could have said that too much. And on another day, um, Dixon Bonner, and I'll go on to him a little later. Um, maybe should have done better with his. Kelman isn't going to get a better chance to score a goal than what he did in about the ninety in about the ninetieth minute. And look, going forward, we've got something good to build on. But what I liked about some Fifuentes's um, post match was that he wasn't satisfied with the draw. Whereas I suspect if Ainsworth was in charge, we'd have been waxing lyrical about it. 
I think the fact that he said that he was unhappy about the way they conceded the equaliser um, bodes, bodes well for the future and it bodes someone who wants to try and he knows we're in a bit of a scrap. He knows we know he knows we're in a lot of trouble, like we all do. And if he can and if he can sort of get that and what he did in within about four days against the Rotherham side who, let's not forget, drew two all against Ipswich, so which actually showed that it was a decent it wasn't that bad a result. He's had four days and and you could see what he's been trying to do. So actually I think as Phil rightly says, that's gonna make it that's going to make it quite interesting for Saturday. Well, you never know. I might even win. George. <laughs> Simon, hope, hope, hope. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really optimistic Saturday. I was there, but I was actually under the cover, so I don't know how you were getting so wet. But... Uh, uh, we'll, but tell you. We'll, we'll tell you why, George. We were, we were right at the front... We were in, we were right at the front, and then we ended up moving three rows back, and there was an illusion of a perspex roof, which didn't actually <laughs> prevent any sort of rain coming down from us. So from about five six rows, even though you had the roof over the top, you were still getting you were still getting soaked regardless. Sorry, that's no, right. In <laughs> I stayed where I was because I was already soaking wet, and I thought, "What's the frigging point?" So I just carried on. George, carry on, and I'm stupid. Yeah, but even, I was there, and it was good to see. I've always been, I've always come on the pod and said that I've enjoyed passing football, and it's definitely better to see. I've always loved it when the centre back plays it to the goalkeeper and that sort of football. I, I was loving it when that happened, and I just think it was good. Like you saw, once we scored, it didn't look like we were sitting back as if we did with Ainsworth. We would just get the goal and hope that we'd nick a one nil. It was good because we were attacking, trying to get the next goal, and obviously. It's it's a dampener when they score, and I still think a couple of weeks ago, like when Ainsworth was in charge, we may have gone and lost that game because the lads' heads would have dropped. But it looked like we actually tried to push on, and as you said, Kelman won't get a better chance than that. But that goes back to the point of squad depth, which has always been a worry this year. We like you could say anything if we had an Austin on the bench, he finishes that any day. But uh, and it was good because he made some tactical changes to actually try and win the game. Like you, as much as uh, Paul said, not trying to like have a go at Ainsworth or anything now that he's gone. It's just the tactical changes. Sometimes you just didn't understand. He'd bring on Duke McKenna or something like that when we we're drawing. He's not exactly someone who's going to go and win the game for you. But it was definitely positive signs. And I'm very much looking forward to Saturday against Bristol City. Phil, I'm going to come in and are you going to be a bit more cheery than you were the last time? Well, I I wasn't at Rotherham, but I've seen the highlights and read the reports and whatever else. And I, I just think it's just a breath of fresh air. You, you're feeling you're a better man than I if you say you're not going to kick a man when he's down. And I'm not going to kick Ainsworth. He's still a hero to me. He was a magic player. But that became laughable at the end. Absolutely laughable. And... To see us actually trying to play some football at Ware Rotherham and he'd only had three training sessions and then a day of travelling was just fantastic. And the goalkeeper playing short out to the full-backs or the centre-half, you've got to remember, that's a step in the right direction because even when Begovic went long, they went straight into the stand. So and I, I was I reached my the end of my tether with QPR away at West Brom with Ainsworth 
where we were just kicking everything long, everything long, everything long. We had about 20-something percent possession. And at one point, we got the ball level with their 18-yard box in the attacking third with a throw-in. Finally, we'd literally not been in their half. We took the throw-in backwards, passed it backwards, passed it backwards, gave it back to Begovic, and he's under instruction with Ainsworth just to boot it as soon as you got it. We kicked it long and lost the header. And at mm. that point, I just thought, this can't go on. And one of the things that not much has been made of, but you notice in one of, how do you say his name, Sifuentes' first interviews, I think he let it slip. He said, I've been watching the last few games, was what was one of his lines. Not, yeah. many, people have, not many people have jumped on that. Yeah. So I'm reading that, that this has been lined up for a month. I know they were trying to get to the end of the season and the board were going to give him another two games where he was and all this caper, but it just got untenable, so they had to get rid of Ainsworth. But for him to say in his first interview, I've been watching the last few games, let's be candid, we're not the league games on Sky, QPR v West Brom and QPR getting humped by Blackburn and QPR v Leicester or whatever. So this has been lined up for weeks. And that's um, the thing, in fairness, because you could you could tell that, Phil, looking, you could tell. And when it, by the way, just go by the way, sorry, I just feel bad because it, I don't know. I feel like I spent a lot of time hoping to work. I spent a lot of time praying it would work because we all wanted it to work and needed to work, and it just didn't. And I was got it for him, got it for the club. But, but I accept he had to go, and I accept it. People can and do criticise, and every right to do so because the football was was dross at the end. But I think the players need to look at themselves a little bit as well. But that's my personal opinion. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure about that, Finney. I, I think Willock has got to look at himself, and we're all pinning hopes on Willock now. But everyone seems to forget that he's been a complete git for the last eighteen months. Um, he's had a dodgy hamstring, and then it's spiralled down. But I think everyone falls in the same camp as you, mate. That they just wanted it to work. Wanted it to work. The crowds. The size of the crowds has been absolutely amazing. Seems yeah. we haven't won at home since the ice age. You know, it's and people just people just turning up in their thousands. So they all wanted it to work, but it was plain that it was just utterly hopeless. He was a man completely out of his depth. I said to yeah. Clive from Love for Words in the pub a couple of weeks ago, or I said it on Twitter or something. There was a Monday night football with Gary O'Neill on, um, analysing one of his wall sessions, and I was just watching the minutiae of his tactical analysis. I thought, oh my God, we're playing football from 1971. And this bloke is two years ahead of his time. We've got no hope. So any change is a good change. Um, and I think Saturday showed some signs of optimism. There you go, back to that word again. I'll just rock on the future. I, th I think, you know, our, our big problem is that there aren't any goals inside. Um, yeah. And we're starting from a position where we're six points behind the league. But if you look at a side that's coached to play football, that is Begovic, Cannon, Cook, Dunn or Jake, Clark, Salter, Powell, Fields, Colback, another midfielder, Willock, Chair and Dykes who can't score, I don't think that's a relegation side. No, and it shouldn't be, but we are, as it stands. And that's what I mean. So the better say the players have got to look at themselves, I mean, some of the players, I mean, but that carried on from last season, Phil. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 some of the away games at Wigan out there, they were clearly not having the manager. They weren't having um, before him either. So you kind of think, well, you know, Critchley couldn't get anything out of them. Ainsworth couldn't get anything out of them. 
I get why the club have gone for a different appointment, a new set of eyes, someone with no relationship with even English football. It's brave. It could be misconstrued as being hopefully but daft. But I think it's 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 a chance that we had to take. We had to do something different, didn't we, Sam? We had to bring someone in with a fresh look, a fresh ideas and has no connection with the club. So we we can't yeah, just just fresh ideas. You can see that on Saturday. What I like about Saturday, Dixon Bonner played really well. Smith played well in a very heavy pitch. Sinclair looked a different player when he came on. He, he, he you know, he, he looked better. He looked as time he was on. The Kelman missed. I think Kelman's confidence is gone. I don't know. I don't think there's anything we can do with Kelman. Sadly, I think it's probably going to have to be a move. And I think come January we'll, you know, get a couple of strikers and maybe get some money for Dixon. Who knows, Simon? But I, what 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 you about Saturday? Uh, you mentioned Dixon Bonner, and I think you said in the pub last week, didn't we? We were concerned of going up there with just one midfielder. But I thought Dixon Bonner acquitted himself very, very well indeed. He, um, I think the one thing that he provides, which I think a few of ours lack, is he can, he can cover a fair old bit of ground, whereas quite a lot of them aren't, aren't particularly mobile. You could see that he was... He was able to cover that ground a lot more effectively. And some of the sort of simple 15, 20-yard passes, which we've been lacking um, over the last however many years, you could see that there's potential. You could see that there's potential there. Now, the one thing we do have to be careful about is the number of players who have a decent debut like that. And we all sort of big them up into into something great. And then it subsequently turns out that they're they're not that good at all. But there were certainly signs there where he certainly didn't look out of his he didn't look out of his depth at all. Um other things, nice to see Elias Chair come back into a bit of form, goal notwithstanding. And it was quite interesting that there were quite a few occasions in that game where we've all been criticizing Chair for holding on to the ball too much. You can actually see under frequencies that he's already told him, now you need to release it a little bit earlier. And you could see, particularly with the goal, the link-up play, which was so good with Chair, Willock and Powell at the start of the Beal era. You could see little signs of that again. I think that the ball that Powell played to Chair for his finish, I don't think it's really been credited enough. It was a, it was a really nice, clever little ball, which ended up splitting around two or three players. So again, I think for me the sign the signs the signs are there of potential. But the one worry that we obviously have with this squad is yes, they start off new start off enthusiastic, but with a few if we don't end up getting the results, are they gonna do exactly the same as they've done with the previous four managers and actually and actually give it up? Uh, and I think the other thing on top of that with sequences is whilst you can see the build-up play had been significantly worked. And I think Phil's point's absolutely right that if there's no goals in the team, it doesn't matter how good the build-up is if we can't if we can't finish. And as I say, we have plenty of opportunities in that second half, especially. We're not we're not going to be successful. But to be fair, that doesn't matter who the manager is. Yeah. And if we if we can get some sort of players in in January and again I'm not entirely convinced we're going to be able to unless he can sort of magic out some deals from Sweden somehow Will we sponsor a stand? Well yes yes as I say it's as we said before on the pod it's quite nice that it's, it's come about five six years too late this this thing which was going to give us potential financial opportunities but for me 
for me, if he can get a couple of players in January, there is that potential, particularly if he can get chair and the midfield firing a little bit more. And again, with Dixon Bonner nearly scoring, Dizel against Leicester. Field had that chance after Kelman. Kelman's shot was saved. If we're not going to score from them, we are going to need the goals from midfield. And there were signs there that there's the potential we could do that. Uh, but look, this is a question for all of you. Fogel to George, and go back to him. Say someone comes into the club and buys, I don't know, 25%, 35% of the shares or whatever, or mops something up. Can we invest that money in? Would that then go against FFP or is that new investment counted? Because that'll be interesting. Yeah, you see? I, don't think, this, I, I don't, it I don't count. think it, I don't, it would count. I don't think we count. I don't think we yeah, can. Yeah, I'm with you. It's just okay. the, the, the owners are not allowed to stick in pots of cash. It doesn't matter who the owners is. It doesn't matter if you sell it or whatever. I, 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 I would love to know the finances, but the naming of the... Uh, stand and the naming of the of the training ground and sponsoring the underpants and whatever else it is I, I don't know how far that money stretches clearly that was funding this was going on for weeks getting rid of Ainsworth and getting a new manager in and they had to find some funds to do it I don't know if all these naming rights have just covered that or if it was a package to give to the new manager let's say for the sake of argument you're coming in and you've got 400,000 to spend in January because that's the kind of thing we're talking about. A couple hundred thousand here, a couple hundred thousand there. I don't know whether he's got that money or whether it was purely a way of manufacturing the funds so that we could change manager. I'm not sure. But you've got to think that he must have said coming in, um, I've been watching the last few games, which he said in public, um, you know, there's no goals in this side. I mean, we just don't have a finisher. I mean, I'm really optimistic about this side. And I actually think that Ainsworth did a couple of good things. One is he got the team spirit, without a doubt, with the exception of Willock and Taylor Richards, got the team spirit excellent. I actually think we had quite a good transfer window. Cook and Colback and Begovic managed to get some money for Senny Dieng. The, the difficulty is there isn't anyone who is, and I know everyone needs a clinical finisher, but we haven't even got a Naki Wells equivalent. I mean, Dykes is unbelievably limited. He's great if you're kicking the ball up to him and he wins the header a lot of the time. But he's never going to have a technical finish in the box. He's either going to turn and smash it or he's going to try and barrel through someone or he's going to have a header. And imagining the type of tick attack of football this bloke's going to play, you've still got to have someone at the end of it all who's going to be able to side foot it in the far corner accurately and not hit the corner flag. The only thing I was thinking of perhaps we play Floor Scotland as we come onto the pitch. And then he might <laughs> he's a Hamden or something that might help. But yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. It's sad like because he is the main striker, but never in a million years he's is he gonna be the twenty five goal person you need. George, have you seen anything that made you think last Saturday, ooh what we miss and what we're going to do. Are we out of this shade? Are we allowed to get optimistic? What, what What's your thoughts on it all? Well, on that Dykes point, I think that if he was a 25-goal-a-season striker, he wouldn't be in the championship, would he? With the amount of hard work and graft he does with that, he wouldn't be. A, so I think fans who say that Dykes isn't a good striker because he doesn't score goals, I think you can blame that more on the fact of the transfer window, not bringing in a striker. 
Like we've we've said it from the very start, going into a season with Dykes, who's never had a massive scoring season, and Armstrong, who's totally unproven, one goal and just looks obviously he's still learning. And then Charlie Kelman, who I thought was off to Leighton Orient at one point in the summer, I saw somewhere. But uh yeah, I think the optimistic signs were obviously the passing of football. I think with Chair, the reason why he wouldn't like get rid of it was because of frustration. I think he was so frustrated that the ball kept on going over his head and he couldn't do nothing with it. That that just led to him feeling that he would just shoot from everywhere. And that's just disappointing. And like, as I said, we, I, I feel less like aggravated by Willett, but I've always had a thing because I feel like with the right manager, he can play good football. And I think his injury, he looks like he run when he runs. I say this every time when he runs, he looks like he's injured. You can see he runs with his hamstring hobbling pretty much. But I think against Rotherham, he did well. Bear in mind, he hasn't played a full 90 minutes in ages. There was a there was a lot of positive signs, I'd have to say. And like Paul Smith, I liked him in that more attacking role rather than playing him at right wing back. God knows whose brilliant idea that was. But I just think it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely better. In fact, they only had a couple of training sessions with him. I think that Saturday... It would be it would be definitely a passing game because they've just got Liam Manny, haven't they? And they, he he loves part he overpasses. He's like Russell Martin in disguise. But uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of positives. Well, go back. I think I think I think we've just got to hold our nose and just get on with the Willock thing. I mean, it, you know, he has been disgraceful. We can't dress it up any other way. He's a professional. He's he's paid to play. He just couldn't be asked. And uh, you know, even Finney, do you remember you and I having a conversation? Where was it? away at somewhere early in the season, a oh, Watford. And he just came on at half-time to do a warm-up and he was literally just, he was mocking, just did his, just messing about with the ball. But, and we've got, we've got two or three months of him, I would say, um, because by the time he gets to February, March, he'll check out completely because he won't want to get injured because he's never going to sign another contract. He's leaving. So he's going to shine, hopefully, for six or eight or ten weeks with enough to, to tempt another football club to throw some money at him. But if he gets a battle in March, then he won't be anywhere near it. But my point my point on that is, if stuff's going well and a player's doing all this fancy stuff at half-time, you're, you're not saying anything about it. It's just fans looking deep into it. And as I said, Willock is not the sort of player to get into hard tackles and stuff like that. That's what I've always said. People say... That's kind of what Ainsworth tried to twist it into. And I think it didn't help his confidence when he was left out of a squad for having a bad performance when everyone was playing bad in the team. You can't say that he was the only bad player on the pitch. And I think Ainsworth twisting it to make it seem like he's this batting player. He never has been. Even under Bill, he would just... He's not that sort of player. And I firmly believe that he isn't as lazy as people think. And... Like shoot me down for them opinions. I've just tailed him. No, I mean the thing is, but well, like my personal opinion is that even when he was doing well, nobody came in for him. So there's always suffered in football that people are just a wee bit wary of him. And I thought, well, that's your time to prove people wrong. That's your time to crack on with it. That's your time. But even then, we weren't getting bids because you know, even when it, you, you, people were asking people at the clubs, and you know, 
why are we not crashing on Willow? Because like we've had no bids. Oh. Yeah, he got, yeah, it's because he got injured after his little well, spell at the start of the season. Like, yeah. no one's. Even before that, George, I don't think there's too many people sniffing around because you only need four or five good games of championship and you know, this guy's tough. I'm not saying. And I think then he's got a. With the change of managers, hasn't helped. Obviously, ends with wants people on the training ground to muck in, to do things, to tackle, to run back, to, I don't know, leave an empty tank somewhere. And Willick isn't going to do that. So then. They didn't do it for Critchin either. And I think he's just got a state of mind. Or maybe it's his family or whatever or him. He's just he just wants away. And maybe that's our fault, maybe that's his fault, but it's not happening for him. I mean I, I go back to the Sunderland game last year when he came on and just wanted to go straight back off again. Um, you know, and then that, it's one of them things we just gotta take it on the chin. But it's a shame because there's a hell of a player there. And I hope one day, whatever happens, if he goes on from us, whatever. He, you know, he realizes that you know we we did give him a good chance, and hopefully, if he does play well, and he wants to maybe stay and do better. Who knows? But I just don't think. I think he'll play well up until he signs a contract with somebody else in a free. Simon, tell me I'm wrong. Again, I'll keep on saying it on the pod. I I think he's going to be in for a very big shock, and I mean that. If he if he doesn't improve, he's going to be in for a very big shock in June, and. I'm glad you made the point with regard to Willock, with regard to, um, yes, he didn't perform under Ainsworth, but I fully appreciate he was injured. He came back under Beal, but he wasn't the same player there and he certainly wasn't putting it all in under Critchley either. And again, I've always said this, if it's one manager you can understand, if it's two managers you're doing it, I think you've got to ask the question about who's the, who's the problem there. And I think, I think for me as well, when you when you look at it, I mean Taylor Rich one of the one of the surprises was um Taylor Richards came on. And I know we always talk about Richards on the pod and there were there were little signs there of some of the things he could some of the things he could do. There was a couple of nice little deft touches that he made which brought people in. But there but at the same time there was I think there was the header back for the free kick was was foolish and there was another one where actually Dykes was in front of Richards and Richards' decision-making there wasn't really what it could be. So, look, let's be under no illusions. Um, Fequentes is coming in with with a fresh start, which is exactly what we needed. But I think for a lot of players like that too, who haven't performed under, well, at least three different managers, they, they are going to have to actually prove themselves at some stage because, as we keep on saying, it, it can't be just down to, oh, it's, it's the manager's fault. The players have to take a little bit of accountability as well. No, because on Saturday, we haven't got chair, which is just heartbreaking, because just when you get all this optimism, I think the ground will be buzzing. we will play some proper football. I can't wait to watch us play some football rather than just boot the thing away. But we haven't got chair. I actually think that Willett might, might start and might play really well. And I don't completely agree, George, I wasn't saying that Willett needs to be, you know, the hard man and running around and making tackles, but he just didn't buy into anything under various managers. And he's quite clearly kind of taking his, whatever he's getting a week, six, 10 grand a week and tossing it off and can't be bothered. But to be honest, if I was any of the front five or six, I would be exactly the same because what is the point of running and running and running under Ainsworth and pressing and pressing and pressing and win the ball back Hmm. and then boot it long again and go and run down a channel. One of those games, was it 21% possession we had towards the end of Ainsworth Road? 
that was a you, high point. You must, you must, you must be wondering as a player, what is the point of yeah, trying no, to get the ball back? That, that's one of the higher ones. Yeah. What well, I mean, what is the point of trying to get the ball back? You must well just let them have it. That was my point. Even with Chair, with him starting every week, you could see that frustration. And like with Willock, he just didn't get the. Well, no, obviously, I don't think Ainsworth ever liked him as a player, and everyone's up to their opinions. And then with Richards, I don't have the time of day for, to be honest. As much as he's, what's it called, has problems with losing his best mate and stuff, I think as much as you don't like a manager, you don't come out on Twitter and publicly say that about that. As soon as that comes out, he's a disgrace to the club, in my opinion. And like... I, I don't know. I just don't give him the time of day anymore. And I think it's a huge disappointment because he was brought in by Bill. Obviously, we heard at the fans forum that Bill wanted to bring him in on a permanent initially. That's why the loan had to be a permanent this year. But you could just say it's 600000 down the drain. A lot of our transfer window money gone by a player who's just completely disgraceful, in my opinion. I think Georgia deal was... I, I could be over-reading into this, which I only I like doing sometimes. In life still, you make things up. But I think part of the deal with Brighton was they weren't going to release him unless we promised about him afterwards. Now, as a football club, that would worry me. It's like, hang on a second, why do we have to buy him afterwards? We'll put him in the um, the shop window. He'll do really well. And if we don't buy him, someone else will. No, no, you have to buy him. And then a bit of research would tell you that Man City, what was he at? Man City, was he at Fulham? I think he was at Fulham. He went Man City straight to Brighton, I think. And then Brighton, went, yeah, went on loan to oh, where is it? Doncaster, I think. Yeah, so he went he went to so and Brighton, I mean, there's a club there that, you know, they're not stupid, are they? You look at the players they bring through and what they're doing and everything else. And I just thought, okay. And then you players and you think like you, George, and Simon up there, you think he's he's got some nice things about him. He's got but then he does that header back, and I know he hasn't played for ages. I'm not judging him purely in that. So he obviously has ability, but whether he he can apply it in the right way is the issue. And it's just a bloody shame that we blew our budget on it. One thing I did notice, George, and I want to talk to you about this because I know you you like your stats. You must have been happy with the possession and the lack of goal kicks that went into the stands oh, and stuff. I was loving it, honestly. From from minute from minute one, I was loving the high possession, and it it, it was a definite miss me. Mix match or whatever that is of yeah. style, of styles, isn't it? And you can imagine if Ainsworth was still there for the Rotherham game, what dire game of football that would have been. Oh, like, I completely agree. Like the, the ball would have spent what sixty minutes in the air or out of play. Like, but I think the umbrella. Mm. Can I just ask a question about the Rotherham game because I wasn't there and I've watched the highlights and read the reports or whatever else. And I'm not getting a down on one of our players. I think we did great business selling Sally Dieng and buying Begovic. Um, and he's made some good saves. But I haven't been completely um, convinced by him. Their equaliser, did the bloke, the bloke scored from about three yards. So there was a, am I reading this right? There was a, mm. a, free, a free kick that travelled 40 yards Went right over everyone's head. The goalkeeper stuck on his line, and their bloke levered it home. It was, that, it was, that for all the world it, looked like the it was threatening. The, it was threatening the whole game. You could see it even in the first half. That back post ball, no one was dealing with it, and it's just you could say keeper at the near post, but it was just same case again. Poor defending of set pieces. Yeah, well, it is. It is. But I'm asking a question. I think Begovic. Look, I wasn't there, but it looked to me like Begovic should have come for that. 
Mm. I, I, I have to say I'd agree with George. I think there's a few things there's a few things which I think Begovic didn't do particularly well. I mean, there was there was one in the first half, the one where he tipped it round where he almost needed some sort of like lever to go down. He sort of like went down incredibly slowly to get hold of the one. There was the one which he then parried in the first half, which we were very, very lucky that didn't go to someone six, seven yards out. Where I'll defend him a little bit was the pre-kick and the fact that the goal was scored on around the edge of that sort of six-yard box. If he's coming out for that, he's take, he's particularly in the hammering down rain, he's taking a massive risk there. So... I, I have an element of sympathy for why he didn't go didn't go for it. And don't get me wrong, Phil, I agree with you. Apart from the Middlesbrough game, I haven't been overly impressed. I haven't been overly impressed with him either. But I think on that one, to be fair, to be fair, I think you just gotta put that down to we should have defended it better at the back post and at the end of the day, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you don't go and volley one into the into the roof of the net. Mm. I, I said it once I said it a thousand times I don't know with goalkeeper coach what he does what he's doing but like it's been going on since Kelly hasn't it that keepers are just making mistakes Lumley Kelly Senny even made a few well quite a few hurdles at, at times and, and things and, and Begovic and that. you think who's training him is it Mr Magoo I mean you know it's it's so obvious that to us as fans that you know the there's a there's a problem though with the keeper sometimes, and I I, I don't want to blame people because I hate doing that. But maybe we need a, maybe we need extra help with the goalkeeping coach because yeah. because Kelly came with a reputation and then went with his tables with his legs. Lumley was getting better, got better, and then went straight to shit. Um, Smithies we sold that wasn't a problem. Um, and then you look at all the ones the injuries and too many to count. And then you look at Senny, you know, when he came in, he was he was this, and, and then he's left, and you're thinking, well, okay, we got a million quid for him, that's all right, that'll do. And I would have thought he would have pushed on, do you know what I mean? Am I being harsh, though, Phil? What, what I'd say there is, when we go about keepers doing better, I think there's probably about 75, 80 other clubs in the Football League mm-hmm. is saying exactly the same thing. It's, no I think we're all going to be there going, all oh, keepers made a mistake, and, and so on. I'm not entirely sure, I'm not entirely sure whether it's Sort of coaching or anything or anything like that. I mean, Liam Kelly went to he went to Motherwell and got caps for Scotland. He's clearly not a he's clearly not a bad keeper. Joe Lumley um, wasn't the same player after he got that boot in the head at Villa Park. There's quite a few things where you can look at different. There are different circumstances there why some of the players didn't didn't move on. I mean, Dieng Dieng wasn't the only one who had a complete collapse in form last season. There's a lot. I think there's lots. Oh, I, w- lot. I wasn't. I wasn't sorry to see him go. Yeah, I think that was good business. No, I agree. Yeah, mm. I mean, I'd, it'd, no, be I very, it'd be very interesting to see how Begovic is under the uh, direction that you've got to play football, uh, because he's, you know, as much as shot stopping is okay. I mean, I've got an intrinsic problem with your captain being a goalkeeper. I sit there with my son, you know, and we sit there watching it, and you watch other teams captain referee the game. I mean, right from Rooney down. Do you remember a few years ago, 2014 or something, Rooney came to uh, with Man U, or was it the previous stint at Loftus Road? He must have been one yard from the referee the entire game. He was virtually telling you when to blow his whistle. And, and we've got Begovic as our captain. So that you just can't captain from, from goalkeeper. Okay. I, 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 Colback has been banned for half the games 
he's supposed to have played for us. Um, but I still think he's been a good signing. We've got to get someone. Field's too nice. You've got to get someone captaining in the middle of the field who's just in the referee's ear the whole time. Um, but anyway, think, we'll see what we'll see what Begovic well, is like under the instruction that he's got to pass the ball. That could be interesting. I completely agree with the goalkeeper being captain. I've never agreed with it at any standard. But with Begovic, you could kind of say it's a two thing. One, he's out like a negative. One, he's old, obviously, and he's a good shot stopper. But I heard Kevin Gallon say on a podcast the other day, his best times were with Bournemouth and Eddie Howe. And Eddie Howe's not one to knock it forward, is he? He's the sort of player to coach to pass it around the back and stuff. So I'm not fully giving up hope on Begovic being some Neuer at the back or something. I don't know. But, yeah. I like that thought, though, if he was good at Bournemouth. Mm, yeah, that was that was probably his prime of his career with Eddie Howe playing football. So, well, I, mean, look, I mean, look, we've all been criticising Begovic for just shanking the ball out from to Ellis Lee, South <laughs> Africa Road, wherever. So the fact of the matter is, if he's being told just to knock it five, ten yards, or like he did at Rotherham on Saturday, he threw it out a few times. I don't think we can. I don't think we can really complain about that. It's almost like we're solving, we're solving the problem by getting him to play those simple passes. Where where it then becomes a problem potentially is we're then trusting the likes of Jimmy Dunn and Morgan Fox to try and play football, and that's where it can get a little bit risky as well. I don't know. I think I think it's a philosophy, isn't it? Once someone does it, going back to captaincy, I think Kirk Fields, Fox, Colback are all kind of deputies. They're all kind of captains. But yeah, I think Begovic, he doesn't talk enough. You know, I've always wondered why a goalkeeper's a captain. But maybe, you know, maybe we're this stuff in the training ground. Like maybe he's got a great big microphone in the training ground, but he's saying it's showing off the pitch. But I would say Kirk is a, is a captain anyway. If you watch Kirk, the way he talks, and he's, he's on. The referee is on the player. He's knocking their players around. You know, he he knows what he's doing. Now we've talked about Saturday. We've got an interesting one this Saturday because you know it's two managers making a debut. Welcome to the championship, and it's not even Christmas. Um, and you're thinking, mm, Liam Manning done a bit of a a beal on on Oxford, but I don't mind because I haven't forgiven him for the cup final. It never happens. I don't care about Oxford, but I'm just wondering, what are we expecting Saturday? I'm going to start off with you, Simon. What do you, what, what, what's your heart telling you? Is it going to consider it? Considering two weeks ago it was Gareth Ainsworth versus Nigel Pearson, it'll be quite nice to have a game of football where it's um, yeah. on the ground to begin with. So that's a that's a real positive to start off with. Where what I was going to ask you all was obviously Ilias Chair is suspended, and we know that Fuentes is looking at that sort of four three three. Given the players, and obviously I think Willock is going to have to start up front or up on the right, probably the right-hand side of a three, I imagine, with Dykes. Who would who would you all put on that sort of left-hand side where Chair was? Ooh. Ooh. George uh, Right, so I reckon what he'll do is he'll put, he'll put Smith on the right, he'll put Smith on the right, push Willock out left, and I think he'll put Dixon Bonner in that more attacking yeah. role and he'll start Field and Colback as the two holders. That's what my prediction is. Phil? I, I don't completely disagree with that. I can. I mean, my question for Saturday is whether we can, if we're going to win, whether we can score two goals because you can absolutely bet the mortgage on the fact that Rob Dickey's going to score. 
So that that would be one up for Bristol City. It's whether or not we can score two. You could, it's nailed on. He suddenly started to play, Dickie. He's going to score a screamer from 40 yards, isn't he? Um, I, 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 I don't... I don't disagree with some of those team selections. I just I'm so looking forward to Sassy, but I'm gutted the chair's not available. Um I don't know whether Dazelle will come back in. I mean, I've always thought Dazelle is utterly useless, but it's interesting. When he's been playing further forward, he's actually got a great pass on him. He's been I've, at times I've had to swallow a pride and actually say Dazelle had a great game. He doesn't play well when he's sitting in front of the back four or back five. But when he's in the front of a diamond in midfield, he's actually been really useful in a few games. Um, but he's probably blotted his copybook with that ridiculous sending off. So it's very difficult to know who he's going to pick. I think Willett will start. I'll be amazed if Taylor Richards starts. So he'll probably be on the bench. Dykes will start. And then it's a question of whether he'll play Armstrong as part of a two. Or I agree with George, probably uh, he'll play Smith, I would have thought. And then field and Colback, and then who who else gets that midfield? Dixon Bonner played really well last week, so maybe he gets the nod above Dazelle. I don't know. You know, the other thing I would say is I think Reggie Cannon is a player. We've got mm. we've got two decent fullbacks. You know, I'm gutted again that Jake Clark Salter is made of glass because he is he is our best centre half. He just well. looks he looks a class above every time he plays. He's fit. He's a proper footballer. You know, he, he spent about 50 years in the Chelsea Academy or whatever, the puppy farm. But he can play football. It's noticeable that he's not quick. I didn't realise, because I'm hardly seeing players always injured, but he's played four or five games or whatever. A couple of times I've seen him turning and chasing back to his own goal. And you suddenly think, ah, oh, that's why you haven't made it. You're a cart horse. You can't, you know, he looks as if he's waving through treacle. Um but that's not, we haven't got to worry about that for a month because he's going to be out until after the international break. So I suspect he'll play Dunn, you would think, and Cook. Well, Powell, Dunn, Cook, Reggie Cannon, that's a decent back four. That's not a relegation back four. That's a decent back four. So, you know, Phil the optimist, if we can get in there and play some football, I come back to half an hour ago, gentlemen, I'm sorry, but I just can't quite see who's going to put the ball in the back of the net after all this lovely, flowing football. In in which case then, Phil, you, you have the argument, given Dazelle has shown some sort of evidence that actually he can go on the edge of the box and has got the technique to try and finish. There may well be a case that he'll be, he'll be one of the three up top. I mean, from my personal perspective, I think it's going to be a close call between um, Dazelle and Dixon Bonner. I think, I think, Fifuentes will have seen enough and I suspect he will actually give Dixon Bonner a start and at the very least then you've got options as such as Dizel you've got on the bench you've got Taylor Richards I mean see what he does I mean he's he he's at least on the bench to potentially do something although as we all say trying to rely on him isn't perhaps one of the best things we can <laughs> we could we can do but yeah, I think I I suspect it's going to be yeah Smith Willock, Smith Willock, and then potentially moving Dixon Bonner Dixon Bonner up a bit because I think with the legs he showed he can come back in and cover he can cover effectively with field and with Colback and he, at least he's got those legs which I don't think we've seen from a midfielder of ours in a in quite a long time. No, 
It's a good shout. George, have you got anything to add to that as you start the, the ball rolling, so to speak? No, I haven't really got anything to add. One thing I will say, though, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think he will, but I wouldn't be shocked if Armstrong gets a start. Bear in no. mind, he could scare the absolute living daylights out of Dicky. We saw he's not exactly... <laughs> He's not. He's not exactly the quickest, is he? So, no. and then, and then, with a team who are recently now having to adopt a new passing from the back style under Liam Manning, they're not exactly going to be the most comfortable from the back, are they? So maybe putting Armstrong in will scare him a little bit. So that's the only thing I can really add. I don't think he will do it, but I don't know, mate. I think I think if you've been under um, Nigel Pearce's microscope, I think you know what fear is. Um, Judging by how he speaks to the fourth official, hit to see what he's like when you do a dodgy back pass, Jesus. Um, but I think it's I think it'd be good, going to be packed. And I, I, do you know what? I'm a great believer. If someone has a good game, keep them in the side. And Dixon Bonner, I think, should stay in. And let's see what he can do. Let's give these kids a chance because well, he's not a kid, but you know, they, these are the sort of things you can save your money. You get the best out of someone like him. He progresses. You, that's a transfer you don't have to make. We Smith can get better under a passing manager. I think there's, there's even Field can pass, but he's just been not been allowed to do it. And it is true the ball was bypassing the midfield a lot to then just come back and hit the defence, then go back forward again on the old team and score. I just worry about Dykes, but we've we've discussed that. I mean, maybe we just try and get him to head from twelve yards out every game and see what he can do because it's it's a shame because he's been here so long and it's just seems to be that he, he just needs someone to play with that can help him. You think, well, Cher and Willard and all this. And it's just, anyway, it's sad. But I think he'll end up going over the border. I think he'll end up at Rangers or Celtic or something. To be fair, though, to be fair to Dykes, um, we know we know how he scores goals. And, I mean, you look at the goal against Swansea, you look at the goal against West Brom last season. I, yeah, granted, they're few and far between. But what really I haven't understood and... Yes, I know there was that one uh, against Rotherham where Smith put an absolute pearler of a cross and he really should have anticipated it a lot better. But we really don't put enough of those decent falls in mm. to Dykes. And yes, yes, he should he, he should be learning to anticipate a bit more in the in the last three, four years. But I think in his defence, I think there has been a lot of times where service has been little to non it has been little to non existent and that's been under a variety of different managers. I agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean you do wonder who coaches the forwards or how they're coached because you just watch any quality forward when the when someone's out wide and the ball is about to come in the box, they're battling like hell to get in front of their defender, even though they're now outside the width of the goal, just so that they get the first contact on it and then mm. put the ball across the goal with a flipped header or a boot or whatever. We don't have anyone. I mean, and it's not just us. You know, the, the rabble down the road, that, that bloke Jackson, they've got playing up front. Oh, my God. They did a thing on Match of the Day on him the other day. His movement is utterly non-existent. He only scored three the other day because it was VAR chaos. But we don't have a diff- we don't have an attacker who will run across the first man like the Charlie Austin signature move. If someone was out wide, he was across in front of the, la- the his defender, so he got first contact on the ball. 
you know, we say that we don't put service in for diets, and I agree with that. And it's been under various managers and yakety yakety yak. But he's just standing in the middle of the box, waiting for this perfect cross. They can head home. Well, if you're going to do that, play Finney up front because he could probably do that as well. You, you know, you've got to have some, you've got to have some movement. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. No, but, no, it, it's 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 true. But I still think he's another one that will leave. I think the Euros he's got his eye on the Euros he's got his eye out there. Um, doing well for Scotland and getting a bigger move, or maybe going back to Scotland and playing up there. I don't know, but I think is is one eye is on the pitch and the other eye is on the Euros. And um, you know, maybe it's taking them longer to come back from that illness as well. Who knows? But it's just a shame it's not. We're not firing goals in. So now, after we've said all this about not scoring goals, after we've said about Rob Dickey going to score at the other end, after we've talked about both sides wanting to pass the ball around, we're going to do a score prediction. Yes, George. Oh, I'm going to go for an optimistic 2-1. I do think I do agree with the fact that Rob Dickey is going to score. It's just inevitable. Did you say 3-1? Pardon? Did you say 3-1? No, 2-1. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I'm not that optimistic yet, Paul. But uh, <laughs> two, yeah, 2-1 two, to us. I reckon, I reckon that it's going to be a good atmosphere. And yeah, I just think a win has to come at some point. And every time I come on the pod recently, I've said we're going to win at home. So might as well keep going. Yeah, I like it. Phil, what are that? Well, funnily enough, I was going to go 2-1 because I think Rob Dickey's bound to score. But I actually think this could be the turning point. And the other thing, whilst I'm being optimistic, the if you uh, this is the international break after this one. We've just mm-hmm. got to do something at home. I just hope and pray we play some football. Bristol City are not pulling up any trees particularly. They've got a new manager. I just if we can just sneak a two-one win, it'd be great. But if you look at, at Sequentes' run of fixtures now, they're not actually that bad. We've got a we've got an international break, so it's a full week this week, very unchampionship like. Instead of three days of travelling and two games and barely getting any sleep, he's had a full week's training. We've got this game, which I think we might sneak a win. Then we've got the international break, and I know a load of them will go off on internationals, but a lot won't. And then if you look at the run of fixtures after that, next week, six weeks after that, I think I think the situation could be completely different by the middle of January. I really do. So I'm going to go 2-1. As you were saying that, I was just thinking, after the international break, we played Norwich. He'll probably have a new manager as well. Mm-hmm. Simon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to win one all. I'm still in a... <laughs> I'm still in a situation at the moment. I still think there's a lot of work for. <laughs> I still think there's a lot of work to do, and I think we've said it all of the way through about are we are we going to score enough goals? I think one of the key things though is we've lost the last however many games at Loftus Road, and to try and get to try and get something to begin with to to build on. And I think I think we're absolutely right. It's going to be. I think the two weeks on the training ground is going to be really really useful and I'm actually quite excited to see what he's going to do in those in those two weeks and we quite rightly said there's a really good opportunity in that Norwich game Stoke at home that's again one which if you're looking to if you're looking to survive we need to be getting something out of that Preston away Friday night thanks guy that's going to be that's going to be quite tough but yeah you're absolutely right and then what is it Sheffield Wednesday Plymouth and I know Hull are a decent side, but yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunities there. And I think, and I said it on the pod last week, I think we're going to see the real impact after this after this game. Stop the rot, 
make sure we get points out of it. But then I think those two weeks, from what I've seen, I think he can get quite a few good ideas in practice. Well, here's my prediction, right? I'm going for a Newcastle QPR 5 all style game. I am. I, I feel it in my soul. Except we'll get the winner in the 17th minute of extra time because if it will be so shocked at the goals, there'll be medical attention all over the stands and um, we'll win 6-5. And I think that's utterly optimistic and marvellous. What a game of football. Everyone will come back again buzzing, absolutely buzzing after that. Now, I think, I think I, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I agree with both of you, well, three of you. I think it's either going to be a 1-0 or a 2-1, but you know what? I'd settle for a 1-0 off someone's arse. I don't frigging care. And I think that's what we are. Get that monkey off your back. Get that home win. Get get three points banked. Build up a, a way to Norwich under, you know, well, they'll have a new manager, so there'll be another one. I mean, I wonder if it's, how long that's going to continue in the championship. We keep playing new managers. It's, it's weird, isn't it? You know, and it's just it just shows that we're not the only one that have pressed the panic button in the stands and in the boardroom. This league is absolutely insane. I mean, I watched, what I found, sorry, go sorry, what I found really interesting though is the ones who have who have gone, and obviously we were all thinking, oh, we might as well we might as well press the walnut button. What I found fascinating is the type of people who are taking over at these sides. So obviously you've got Nigel Pearson, Liam Manning, progressive manager, Millwall, Joe Edwards. Or, I mean, I almost had Michael, I almost had Beal down as an absolute mad Mickey Beal down for going into the um, Millwall manager's job. And yeah, Sheffield Wednesday have gone for an up and coming, an up and coming German. It's been quite fascinating how quite a lot of quite a lot of clubs in the championship are now going down the progressive manager route as opposed to the as opposed to the old to the old school. And it'll be fascinating to see because obviously there'll be more. There'll be more sackings and so on. Who who will actually go down the sort of Gary Rowett, Mick Beale, John Eustace, the more sort of established manager route? But actually, it's quite interesting to see so far the way in which a lot of championship teams have gone. I think what what happens, Simon, as you well know, we're all buggers, unlike Phil and George, who are the youngsters of the podcast. People follow people follow fashions. I mean, people will now be copying the Brentford system, the Brighton system to next five years and I think people looked at what Ipswich have done and gone ooh that's a good idea and people will try that and then someone else will come about it's good to see younger managers getting a go because my god it's, it's, it was like a roundabout for 10 years wasn't it one falls off one. I, I much prefer seeing young I would say you know, young managers you know it's also it's it shows that young British coaches and you know European coaches can come here and, and have a go you know, because it's just the league is so many same faces and stuff. It needs sometimes it just needs to be um lighted up. Maybe one thing I will say, you, we touched on earlier on, and we we've said before the podcast about VAR. You know, I hope to God it never comes into the championship, and I don't even know why it's a discussion. The thing absolutely stinks. I, mean, I watched the the Spurs versus the Unwash game the other day. Just laughable. Oh, crazy, wasn't it? I mean, what what it was just it's just madness. And then they'll stop. You know they'll start doing as well. I guarantee it. they'll stop playing fucking music in between the bricks of the VAR like rugby. And then that—that's when I get me coat, walk down the stairs for the last time, and bugger off because that's just ridiculous. So, yeah, you can stick your VAR up your arse, really. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad they've gone down the progressive routes. I'm, you know, yeah. the, the, if I personally, 
I'll ask you guys what you think in a minute. I don't think we're going to go down. I know we're six points adrift of the rest, but I've and we've got a paper thin squad. But actually, if we get our best eleven out there, I don't think that's a relegation team. I really don't. It depends no. whether it depends whether we can pick six points up on teams around us for the end of the season. I happen to think that we might do. But if we get relegated, and we get relegated trying to play football, I could kind of live with that. And if we back him and he stays on and we rebuild and come back up, I just don't, I don't think we're going to go down. But I couldn't have stayed for another six months watching that Ainsworth awful football and get relegated. Because it was terrible. As much as I agree, Finney, don't kick the bloke. He's a legend. He's a great footballer. But it was absolutely shocking. It ha- he had to go. I think he yeah. went a month month too late. So at least we'll be playing some football. So well, here's my question. What do you three think? Do you think we're going down or do you think we're not going down? First of all, well, I was talking about me and Ian's work. Everyone else can say they will. I'm not yeah. directing this podcast. I was just talking about the, in my head how it was working. No, I, don't, I think the good thing about the championship is that you can you can be four games away from the playoffs or four games away from relegation at any given time. And I think we'll get run together. We'll get we'll get out of this shit and we'll because well, we have to. It's as simple as that. We can't go down. Simon, two things really really concern me, and we've already alluded to goals and where we're going to get goals from. And it's going to be vital that we try and make gains from attacking midfields, getting Chair to score a few more, getting um, centre mids to score several more goals than they are at the moment. We can't be at a stage where in November your top score is a left-back. If you're doing that, there's no way in the world you're you're staying up. And I have to say, Phil, unfortunately, the second concern I've got is squad depth. We, everyone, when you go on a bench or something like that, you're essentially relying on the medical team to to perform miracles to make sure that you get that starting 11 out. Because I agree with you. I think if you had that starting 11, yeah, that's not a relegate. That's not a relegation side. It's a lower, it, don't get me wrong, it's a lower mid-table side. But we know what happens when there's a few injuries. That happens. That happens, suspensions and so on. That happens. That that is why I think, regretfully, at the moment, I'd still be probably seventy thirty us going at the moment. Unfortunately, okay. That's Simon definitely the optimist. Um, George, well, I'll bring it back up. I don't think that will go down if we keep playing the football that we saw resembled at Black, uh, not Blackburn, Rotherham. Sorry, it was <laughs> yeah, no, not Blackburn, definitely not Blackburn, but. Uh, I think with Ainsworth in charge, it was destined that we were going to go down. Like I was starting, it was just getting boring and laughable. As I said, I when we conceded, I would just laugh instead of start crying about it because you like you could see at Leicester the the feel around the crowd was not if we're going to score, it's when are they going to score? And I'm and I'm just kind of hoping that feeling goes away on Saturday and it's us on the attack. But going back to the original question. I think if you can't win games at home, you're going to struggle to stay in the, divi- in the division. And I think that's the key point. Obviously, you've got squad depth, which I've been pointing on a lot, and then obviously goals. But if you can't win games at home, you sadly, you're going to really struggle to stay in this division. But I think we'll change it around and I will carry the optimism. And I think that soon enough we'll be out of it and we won't go down this season as long as we keep playing that style of football. And yeah. So who do you think? So if we if we stayed up, and I think we can we can count Sheffield Wednesday as 
pretty much nailed on. Rotherham obviously have got got a decent result on Tuesday night. Who do you think would go down instead of us? Well, you got well, you got Huddersfield, whose squad is ridiculously thin. I would say it's probably thinner than ours, and their squad's not as good as ours. And then you could say you could say Plymouth, but one thing I'll say about Plymouth is that their home form will keep them in the division, unlike complete opposite to us. They don't seem to lose at home, whereas away they struggle. Don't but, forget, someone falls like a stone. There's always someone that falls like a stone. No, exactly. That's my point. But and there's also a team who comes up from relegation every single year. You look, Middlesbrough last year, was it West Brom last year as well? So I'm staying optimistic. And as I saw an article the other day, Sean Wright Phillips, he's backing us for playoffs this season. So who knows? Yeah, I thought he needed a drugs test when I saw that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, <laughs> no, we're not <laughs> you, you've got to love Birmingham keep losing under Rooney haven't you that's tremendous I mean it's a great question Finney who is worse than us um, I, I think I think we're much of a on our day we're much of a muchness with the bottom half of the division the difficulty is we're starting from six points back so mm. it's, it's very difficult isn't it, it I don't know that Having uh, totally countering my own point it's um, six points back in 31 games is manageable Yes, I mean, I it's, agree. Not like, it's not like we're it's not like we're doing it with about nine or ten games to go. I mean, yeah, two wins two in two thirds of the season is it is manageable and it is salvageable. I think the big worry for us is do we actually have the tools to do it? Do, do I'd like and this you you you're, I know you're going to hit me for saying I'd love to see the teams I'd like to see go down is Birmingham because. They, when they Same come, here. they're always arses. And I don't know what it is about Loftus Road that brings out the arse and Birmingham fans. And we always get them in dodgy Friday nights now. When it's, I don't want to, I've had enough of them. And also, it'll teach them for trying to be Billy Big Bollocks. And um, I'd love to see them go down. I think I'd like to see Rotherham go down purely because of the rain on, on Saturday. No other <laughs> reason. Um, I'm not a bitter person, but I was a very wet person. And there's always someone falls like a stone. I'm, I'm watching Coventry. And yeah, I think mm. you know yeah. the high they had last season to this season. You think, mm. but wouldn't it be good if Norwich went down? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. But yes, well, you don't. You say that, Phil. You say that, but you know, clubs have been a bigger bet. Sheffield Wednesday deserve to go down for the prices they charge away fans, as we'll find out in a few weeks, and because of how they behaved after going up and thinking that's it, we're on the rise. Next up, the Premier League. Here we come. Happy days. So for them to go down again would be quite nice. A wee bit of a so Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday too. I definitely want to go down. And I yeah, I mean I know what you're saying, Simon, and I get it and I understand it. We all do, but you get so many points in this league. But yeah, the goal score, but I do think I don't know how we'll do it, but I think we'll, we'll get a player in, in January, either on loan or a free or so they'll find someone, they'll do something, they'll, they'll they'll find some money down the back of the blue and white bar or something. Somebody will come in in January. They have to. Or- or now it's me that needs a drugs test. Or Sequentes gets Ryan Colley suddenly discovering that he is a technical finisher. You know, clearly Sinclair Armstrong. I've got a lot of time for. He's very raw, but he can't really finish. Dykes, we've talked about endlessly. The um, unfortunately, Kelman is just never going to be all the time. I was going to say something rude, but he's not a striker, a championship level striker. He just isn't. So give up on him. But when Ryan Colley comes on, him and his big hair, the I've got hair in me. The uh, he has little touches, little flashes of something, 
And if, if Sequentius wants to play tick-attack of football, he's going to get the ball in the box. We might find that someone like him has got eight goals in him or something. Uh, we need you, ne- you never know. Stranger things have happened than that. No, I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could agree with you, but when he when he's come on the pitch, I don't really see what he's done. Yeah, okay, a couple of nice touches. But apart from that, he's taken the George Thomas role of running after the ball. And yes, you may blame that on Ainsworth for not playing that passing football going over his head. But I think it, it's once again the pressure of putting it on an eighteen-year-old who hasn't even been on loan to a non-league club. Like I, I do agree, but we're you know. Yeah, look, this is is truly the position we're in, isn't it? Like, you could, that's the key point on squad depth. We're putting it on someone who's never had first team experience before. And that just shows how thin our squad is. And that's one of the bigger worries. Do you know what annoys me about this podcast, George? I don't mind coming on. I don't, honestly, it's nice to see you. But you talk like a 50 year old sometimes. You say (laughs) things that I'm like, Jesus, he's right there. And you're absolutely bang on the money. I mean, the fact that... and Coley, I agree. There's something about him. But like Sinclair, should have been loaned out a lot more. Should have been earning his, his trade. And we shouldn't be worried about him just yet. We should be worried about what we're going to do when he comes back, like we did with Eze and so forth. And it is sad that we're playing these kids way before their time. And you're right, he needs some experience. But I do think we'll get someone in January. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we need to because... We need goals in that team because without goals, no matter how much you pass it, unless you pass it into the back of their now, you're not gonna, you're not gonna succeed. So, yeah, I think oh, we can bring Gary Ballister at retirement. That'll be my personal favourite. Well, try anything else, you know. Right, we're on to ours end. Um, now we've talked about. Let's go through the podcast in my head. We've talked about the game on Saturday. The new manager, uh, Rob Dickey, scored. That was had to be mentioned, by the way, because that's going to happen. Um. And now it's the R's end. So um, who wants to go first? I'm going to go last because... Oh, George, had his hand up straight away. Go on. Uh, I just wanted to say about celebrating the 15 years of the Tiger Cubs and the Tiger Feet. Like myself, I've done a few good Tiger Feets now and I've raised money for them by doing runs and stuff. And it's such a great thing. Connor, all credit to him. Uh, there was an interview out today with the play- and just a video of the players meeting with them. And it's so wholesome, isn't it? And it's just... I'll forever be supportive of them. And I'm going to the training ground next week for some 15-year meet-up thing for the Tiger Feet. And I'm very much looking forward to doing it this year. And yeah, it's a great thing from the club. And there's always positives, although the results on the pitch may not be going too well. You look on them things and think, what a club we actually are. Fair point. That's a very good point. I thought that today when I saw on Twitter that there was a funeral and... The staff came out and a lot of people lined the route. You're not going to get done at many clubs. I think that's something that, sadly, you don't want to be having funerals. But, you know, fair play to everyone went out there and, and did that. Simon? Fair play, George Nick, mine. But <laughs> what, I'll, what, I'll, um, what I'll say on top of that, um, just some sort of general tweet stuff about Saturday, it is going to be quite nice that the atmosphere is going to be different to the one against them. Um, Leicester where I think it, it was bizarre, 17,000 people and everyone sitting there waiting for Leicester to win. It is going to be very nice for everyone concerned to go in with an element of optimism and hopefully we can carry that through. That's it? Yes. Nothing else to add? No. Excellent. I did that off the top of my head. As I say, I had the Tiger Cubs thing all set up. 
Uh, so I'll put my hand up quick. I knew you saw... Yeah, I know. On, yeah, the, la- on, the, on, the, last, on the last three pods, every single RZ has been nicked. And I was like, not this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FIFA, go ahead and take us with you, Phil. They are amazing. And well done to James Doe, Dave McIntyre, and Chris Charles for making that one in the first place. I've done quite a few of the walks. I've enjoyed them. It's a good crack. And um, it is actually quite nice because people then... They maybe hear the podcast and they they, they they don't see us in person. Then they meet us and they realise what complete twats we are, which is always nice. And they get to work with us for, for six hours to find out we really are as bad as we sound. Now, I've enjoyed them and well done to everyone in the club, Fiona and everyone else, because I just love them kids. I love, you know, the fact, the best one we did was at the Charlton when we met, um, I can't remember what they're called, nice, God forgive me for not remembering, but they're, t- they're Tiger clubs. It's nice, because football's for everyone and you can't, you can't put it better than that. It's for everyone. So, yeah, well done, Rangers, and that. Phil, that means I'm going to have two odds ends. That's greedy. Oh, well, not to worry. Well, mine is that this week we signed a new assistant manager. I think his first name is Xavi, but Xavi Calm. His name's Calm. That's what everyone needs to be. So, uh, if we've got a calm assistant manager. Everyone needs to remain calm from this point forward. It's a relegation battle, but we're now going to play football, and the crowds have been amazing. But we're now going to be passing out from the back and we can't have the, the, the crowd doing a vault fast and suddenly shouting at everyone to smash the thing up the pitch. Get rid of it, get rid of it. We're now going to try and play football. Our assistant manager is calm. I'm asking everyone on Saturday to remain calm because we're going to play football and we're going to get a win. I like it. Now, here's a quick question for Demir's end. Should we have the Spanish flag or the Catalan flag? Ugh, this is my dilemma. Oh, I don't know. Getting into politics. Yeah, I'm just saying what make him feel more at home because Catalan is a state of Spain and <clears throat> OSC, yes. Fair point. Well, moving on. Like, in my head, that was funny, but it came out really bad and I'm not doing that again. <laughs> it should be like Sheldon from um, Big Bang Theory. Don't mess with flags. Yeah. Moment learned. <laughs> um, now, Saturday, they're doing a uh, I've been worried about this all day. So it's posthumous. That's correct. Where I said it, yes. Um, of Forever Oz. Now this is brilliant because they didn't remember his day as well, which is clearly obviously the idea. I and mean, we all get that. We don't need to be explained. But they're actually doing one for an absolute hero of mine, which is Reg Allen. I love the stories about Reg Allen. I love the fact that he was such a mad goalkeeper. And you know, what I didn't realise he was from Marleybourne. That surprised me. I don't know why that surprised me, but it surprised me. And I just think it's brilliant. And if anyone has a chance and can spend some time reading about what he did in the war and how the war affected his mental health and everything and what he did, please take that time. This should be... I said this I said this about 12 years ago, the pod started. I cannot believe there's never been a film made about Reg Allen. I really can't because he lived 15 lives in one. So his son's coming down. His son... Apparently, produced the cure. Wow, little QPR link there for you. Um, which I was very impressed with being a massive cure fan, didn't realize that. And um, we're also remembering, and rightly so, is Des Farrow and Billy McHugh. So I'll talk about more of them because I'm going to do a little side pod today, um, for Remembrance Day, which I'll do after this just to mention a few things. But also, I think it's nice that we've got one ringman. Coming in, and um, he always plays the last post. It's always nice. Listen, I know 
I'm not going to get into politics about the poppy or anything like that, but, you know, we've all known relatives that died in conflict and everything else. My granddad died in the war. I worked for him. I'm not being told otherwise by anyone else. Whatever it means, I know what it means to me, and that's all that friggin' matters. Um, and it's it's nice to remember these people and to any QPR fans that have had family that have lost in the services or in any kind of conflict, you know, our thoughts go with you and hopefully you'll find some solace and sadie with QPR winning. But, you know, we recognise that there's, there's bigger things in football and that minute silence brings it all home to everyone. So it's nice to doing that on Saturday and well done to Martin Percival and Chris Guy for sorting out the forever ours, remembering those who are no longer with as well. Very important. And this is what this club is about. History, passion and three points. And long may that continue. So that's all I wanted to say on my RZM, which is quite long. I do apologise for taking up most of the time and doing about six of them in one fell swoop. Right. You know, we've waffled on for quite... You know, I always think to myself, will we be able to get 45 minutes, 35 minutes out of a new manager in a rain-swept Rotherham We've been going on for about Norm 15, lads. Not bad, is it? Not bad at all. Not bad. George, honestly, seriously, can you come back one day as a 15-year-old? Cheers, Paul. As I said, I love it every time. I love appearing in podcasts. You're more than welcome. Come whenever you want. uh, It's been brilliant. Since I feel bad because since we got you involved, your dad's been booted out, so I do apologise. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. (laughs) <laughs> that's one thing I'll say don't feel bad I'm not going to take credit for all the things I say obviously I hear some things off of him so credit to you dad but uh, yeah well fair enough there's a family rivalry on there for this podcast Simon as always and thank you for spending time with us on Saturday and um, you're going to be having my company for Chef at Wednesday away in the car you lucky lucky man yep looking forward to it man I can tell by the face, mate. Seriously. <laughs> uh, thank you, Simon. Phil, always good to have you on. I need to get you on more often, actually, because you are quite a cheerful soul. And um, it's been a good podcast tonight. I've enjoyed it. Lots of good points. So thank you all. There you and go. Bit of hope. optimism. Uh, you, you know that I'm going to have to think of a name for the podcast that involves optimism, which is but not dyslexic friendly. Thank you very much. But yes, I'll try my best. Right. Thank you, everyone listening. Let's hope that we get the new manager's first home game off to a win. And yeah, three points to Rangers.